0: if you own your attention, which means you're being very intentional about what you're paying your attention to, then you will have a lot more industry and, and, um, and influence over your future.
1: Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership
2: with teens and their parents. I'm Hudson. And I'm Rachel. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Wes Woodhouse. Wes is a husband, father, marathon runner, and fighter pilot. He's been flying the F-15E Strike Eagle since 2016 and has nearly 500 combat hours. He's currently serving as an instructor pilot in an operational test squadron. He works to bring the latest and greatest hardware and software to the f 15 for West, flying fighter jets is the fulfillment of his childhood dream, but that is not where his most important work gets done. He believes the battlefield of the coming decades is in the human domain where human attention will be the most valued resource. Wes's mission is to build up the next generation of leaders armed to take on the dynamic challenges of the 21st century. He runs the Vector Mastermind, a group of strong, committed men grounded in wise counsel and accountability, striving to live a life of purpose. Welcome to the podcast, Wes.
0: Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: Um, What is the attention gap?
0: Ooh. That is a great question. The attention gap. So there's a couple, a couple different flavors of it. We have the societal attention gap and then we have the personal attention gap. And I think that's the personal attention gap. That's probably the most relevant for us here today. So let me actually, if if you guys don't mind, let me ask you a question. Do you, either of you two Hudson or, or Rachel know what how long does the average teen spend on their cell phone or, or some sort of device every single day today?
2: Hmm. I would, mm, I would say more than five hours.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it's four to five hours and that's up quite a bit from before COVID. Um, but yeah, 62% of teens are on their phones in excess of four hours a day. So, yeah. so you nailed it. That's, that's that crazy. is a lot. that is crazy how long do
2: you think you're on there Hudson I'm not on my phone yeah Yeah. Hudson doesn't even have a phone he has a.
1: (laughs) well I have a glorified iPod (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: and we try not to let them do it during the week at all Um...
0: yeah that's that's probably good so yeah that is insane though four hours and then uh, I don't have the stats necessarily for teens, but adults are spending more than an average of three hours watching TV every single day. That is a lot of time just, you know, on the screen in a, in a kind of passive state of mind. So, uh, all right, Hudson, you're, you're 14, right? So you're, you're, are you a freshman or are you going to be a freshman this coming year? going
1: to be a sophomore.
0: Oh, you're going to be. Okay, nice. So starting at day zero of high school, you had a long way to go before high school graduation, right? You even had a long way to go before completing your freshman year, right? Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot that had to happen in between there. So to, to, finish your, to finish ninth grade, just to get through the freshman year of high school, there was a certain amount of attention that was required to get there, right? And, and further, to graduate high school, there will be a certain amount of attention that you'll have to pay to your studies to get there and break it down so a course what was the math course that you just finished for your uh algebra for your one nice i loved algebra i did <laughs> at the time but i do now
1: i didn't really i don't really now
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good but so uh, to study for a test or something like that you had to you had to sit there and study and you had to spend some of your attention on learning the concepts of algebra in order to pass pass the test right mm-hmm. so uh, at every leg of the way there's a certain amount of attention required to get there if you decide you want to finish high school and then go on and and get a degree i don't know and say you want to go to law school or something there's a certain amount of attention that's going to be required a lot of attention on studies that's going to be required there now if you're if if you're like the average teen and you're spending four hours a day on your on your uh iphone or your or your iTouch or whatever it is that's all attention that's being used up throughout your day that's not going towards studying for high school or for, for college or for your law degree or whatever it is. And that's the attention gap. It's, the attention gap is the space between the attention that's required to reach the goal or to realize your, your vision of, of where you want to be in the future and the attention that you're currently putting into that goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, That's kind of an interesting, interesting concept.
2: So how did you find out about this concept, or did you just come up with it yourself?
0: This is my own theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is. Just, I've I've been studying this stuff for for years now, uh, and I don't remember exactly when I stumbled on on this idea or, or how it came to be. But yeah, I, uh, it, the attention gap. It's 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 the name I put for this kind of gap between the desire and slash required amount of attention, and then whatever. We either have available or that we're actively putting into reaching that goal.
2: So, have you have you done any kind of study on like people that have goals? Are their attention gaps smaller or Small, bigger? Bigger. It would be bigger than the average
0: well, person. Yeah, the attention gap. It would be smaller because if you're gonna if you're gonna reach your goal, then you've reduced the gap. I mean, really, if you if so. All right, back to the the high school example. If you've got a bigger attention gap, that means you're you're not putting in the time and attention that you need to in order to to finish the course or to graduate. You're going to be getting C's, D's, and F's probably. But if you're putting in a lot of attention, if you're putting in more attention into studies than what's required, you're getting A pluses, right? Right. So so that that'd be kind of like a I guess almost a negative attention gap where you're putting in more studying and more you're spending more attention on your studies than is required by the teacher or by the, the course material. Um, I I think a lot of it came out of, honestly, my own story, because when I was in eighth grade, so just younger than you are, Hudson, I that was when I decided I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And so all throughout high school and then into college and, and beyond, my goal was become a fighter pilot. And I was able to figure out what it took to get there and then spend the attention in the right places, whether it was, you know, passing my algebra test or whether it was graduating from high school or whether it was doing as well as I could in college and in ROTC until I finally realized my goal and became a fighter pilot. So, a lot of it was just from that experience and then kind of just studying up on, on attention and, and what it is and (laughs) doing a lot of thinking on it. So how old are you, Wes? I am, I'll be 32 this year
2: so when you were a teenager was was did you have a cell phone I'm trying to remember what year they started becoming uh, popular
0: I, yeah I think I got well technically it was me and my siblings got a cell phone but it was right, right. about when I was 16 right it was, I was 15 or 16 I think it was 16 because I think I was already driving so maybe even 17 I can't remember but it essentially was my phone because the idea was Whatever kid was Driving. away from the house, right, right. was supposed to have it, type of deal.
2: But but back then there was no internet. There wasn't as much of a, uh, it wasn't as hard to pay attention.
0: Yeah, we definitely right. didn't have internet on our little phones. Right, I mean, barely we had we had texting, texting, maybe because it, it it cost like I don't know, ten cents or twenty cents. And per you'd text have to go something. like.
2: Oh, I want the letter C, you'd have to go yeah. hit it three
0: yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's it was a lot harder too, yeah. Right, right. But yeah, no, that's that is a good point. There's I mean, there weren't any iPads or anything. Well, yeah, when did it so the iPhone got introduced in two thousand seven and that would have been right about that time. So yeah, the, the iPad was came not out a later, thing. I
1: think.
0: Yeah, the iPhone, none of that, iTouch, none of that was a thing back then. Right. Yeah.
2: Um so have you noticed So you're an instructor pilot, so Mm -hmm. have you noticed, um, as you've been teaching these younger kids that are coming in, that it's getting worse and worse, their ability to focus and not be distracted and, and you know, keep their mind on what they're trying to get to rather than Mm -hmm. going all different directions?
0: You know, so in my current job, I do operational tests. So I'm not. I haven't done a lot of teaching recently. Um, I have heard that the newer classes are are a little bit tougher, but I think there's a lot of different factors, including the Air Force has a pilot shortage, so they're trying to push more, more, fly, like more students through, but with the same amount of sorties, I guess. So Everybody's getting a little bit less training, so I think there's probably a lot of, of, of different factors. Um, <laughs>
2: Actually, yeah, it, I, I saw something about that the other day. Hudson's eyes got really big. I saw something about that the other day. They're talking about um, not making pilots. It was commercial flights. Have as many hours. Great! Yeah.
1: <laughs> More crashes.
2: Well, they, they, they do have a lot of hours. So um, uh,
0: Yeah, this, the requirement to be a commercial pilot is still... Pretty hefty. Yeah.
2: I know
1: it's like seven or eight thousand dollars to get the license itself.
0: It, it, to get your ATP, uh, your air transport pilot certificate, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. So I was and, just wondering. And for that, you have to have a certain amount of hours as well.
2: Because I have friends who are teachers and they say, like, you know, we used to have reading time and we've had to cut reading time to, you know, less
0: and less because kids just can't pay attention. Yeah. And, but I mean, at the same time, my, my mom is doing some substitute teaching and because she's she's a retired teacher and she said that the shoot I can't remember I think she's doing like second and third grades but she said that the main teacher was just like oh yeah and then you know halfway through you can just pop in a video and they can just watch a video for the rest of the time it's like what yeah that's crazy (laughs) they have enough screen time at home like schools where they're supposed to be learning not you know and interacting with each other yeah It's not good.
1: What can we do as teens to be mindful about the attention gap in our lives?
0: Well, I I mean I think the first thing is to so I mean honestly somebody has to kind of tell you that it is a thing, you know like there's the the analogy of you ask a fish hey hey fish how's the water and the fish is like what's water, you know because. Because it it just lives in in the water, so it doesn't realize that water is actually a thing. That's just its entire environment. So I think a lot of it is the the makers, the programmers of of all the different social media apps of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and and all those apps. They are trying. They are using as many psychological tricks to keep everybody as engaged as possible to keep our eyeballs on their apps as much as possible because that's how they get paid because because companies will buy advertisements on them and so they are trying to keep you and me and everybody on those apps for as long as possible and until you're kind of told that that is what's going on and that people are trying to essentially sell your attention to whoever's paying the most money for it you don't even really realize it you know i mean let me give you another question how many advertisements do you think the average person sees every single day?
1: Over 100,
2: probably. I think it's like 4,000.
0: Yeah, that's Shaq. It's between four and 5,000. I a was lot. way off. <laughs> you were way off. But you know what? I mean, at the same time, like, it's, it's just everywhere, so you don't even notice it, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It, uh, that is insane. I mean, billboards... You know, on the radio, you hear on just a 10-minute drive, you probably hear 20 different radio ads. Yeah, it's it's insane.
2: So the first step is to be aware of what they're doing. It is.
0: It's to be aware, uh, and then the second step is, you know, Hudson, people like people like you, you can you can tell tell your friends, hey, you know, <laughs> check out all these ads that are on Facebook. They're literally trying to to steal your attention. And and I, here's here's a I, I just. I just had a work trip, and so I was, you know, in the airport and, and flying my way home, and I was just watching people as they were waiting, because you, you wait a lot when you fly, right? You right. wait to, to get through security, and then you wait to board the plane, and then you wait for takeoff, and then you wait to get to your destination, and then you, you wait to get off the plane, and just watching people and what they do during those waiting times. I would say probably 80% of them were on their phones pretty much the entire time, and there was very little conversation going on, even between family members or, or friend groups, because everybody was, you know, they had their, their earbuds in and were, were just watching their screens and everything. I think it's honestly just a matter of, hey, we're having dinner. I don't want anybody, let's go put our cell phones, you know, on the, on the counter in the kitchen and we'll just have dinner without any phones. Imagine that. <laughs> we do <did> that. <laughs> That's good. See, you guys are already on track. I love that.
2: Yeah, I'm like. That I, is awesome. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and not talk. Oh, it's gotta, normally dad no. who does that. It's not even us. <laughs> yeah, we got to make dad put his phone up.
0: Yeah, um, make dad put his phone in the kitchen.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, we make a priority to do to have dinner together. No, no yeah, that's electronics.
0: Great. That's perfect. I mean, the reality is though, that's not the norm today.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. it makes me kind of sad. Like when you go to a restaurant. And you look around, and like you see all these people, and none of them are talking to each other. They're sitting there eating, but they're all looking at their own device. And right. the kid, and their kid has a game, has one too, and he's playing a game, maybe. Um, it is.
0: And from from the parenting perspective, I just took my oldest, she's three, to the Children's Museum here in Las Vegas. Great, great museum. Uh, but you look around, and there's two types of parents. There's there's the parents who are. Well, they're all physically with their children, right? But then you have the parents who are also fully engaged with them and you know helping them discover things and teaching them how things work and watching them draw or, or whatever the activity is. And then you've got the other half who, there was a, there was a mom who her kid was like climbing up on one of the tables and was about to slip off and some other parent from across the room like ran and saved the kid because the mom was five feet away, but she was on her phone doing, I don't know, probably scrolling Instagram. Yeah. So it's and that is it. It it causes a drift. It it causes you to drift away from your kids, and it causes your kids to drift away from you because you're not present. Yeah. It's sad. It's easy to do.
2: I I mean I can understand how people get like that though. I mean it is easy. But when you think about it, you're like, what is so important that you gotta?
0: <laughs> yeah. It, more. Is it really more that important, important than your kid or more important than your friend? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you you've had to do a lot as as you were training to be a fighter pilot and stuff like that. Um, had to learn how to really focus. Your your mind, right? Right.
1: Um,
2: I just let my kids watch Top Gun the other day for the first time, and I know that's not real real life. Um, <laughs> but but like i I don't know how you guys do that i don't know how you go flying through the air that fast and can actually do like be shooting at somebody and still flying the thing um how do you focus on the right thing is it just a matter of i've got my systems nailed in really good what's what's your secret Uh,
0: you know a, a lot of it is just practice and during pilot training all the different trainings that i've been in it's they, there's a system that has been identified that works really, really, really well, and so they teach the system that works works well. And when you're deviating from that system, they correct you back to the system. Hudson, do you play any sports? No. No. Uh, do you he, like play an instrument or I play the, bass? What? Okay. So, similarly with a sport or playing an instrument. There is a, I mean, there's potentially different ways to play it, right? But there's generally probably one that is significantly better than the rest and that most of the professionals do. It's it's the same thing for, for flying is what we do. So imagine you've got that scene in, in Top Gun and we're talking about the first Top Gun because... <laughs> Right about now when we're recording this, this week, yeah. I think, the second like one, Yeah, it comes finally. out on
1: Friday, I think.
0: That's right, yeah. My whole entire squadron is, I think we've rented out three movie theaters. To get to get. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, but uh, but anyway, so there's that scene in the first Top Gun where they're flying the two fighter jets, so it's a two-ship, and they're low to the ground. There's you know all these big rocks, and they're flying around, and they're trying to shoot down the MiGs. So they're low to the ground, and they're sh- shooting, and all that type of stuff. So what we do to make sure that we're paying the right amount of attention to the right things, it's called a cross check. So a cross check is where you have, you have a certain number of things that you need to keep in your mind that you need to keep track of. The first one in that type of scenario would be the ground, because if you hit the ground, you're probably gonna die. Like there's, there's no like missing, if you hit the ground, you're probably gonna die. So so you need to make sure that you're not flying into the ground because if you're flying to the ground then the enemy wins without even having to shoot you. So that's the first thing, is make sure that we avoid the ground. The second thing would be focusing on tactically maneuvering to get into a position to either survive from being killed by the opponent or to maneuver to kill the opponent is ultimately what you want to do to shoot them down. Um, so those, those two things. But then if you're the flight lead, you've got to keep track of your wingman. And if you're the, the wingman, you have to keep track of your flight lead. So there's kind of three primary things just right there. And so a cross check would be look at the ground, make sure that you're good to go for the next little bit and that you're maneuvering and, and staying uh, where you need to be away from the ground. But then uh, the next thing would be the enemy checking where he is. If he's in front of you, then you're maneuvering to, to get into the position where you can shoot. And if he's behind you, then you're trying to maneuver to get away from him. And then the third thing is checking on your wingman and making sure that he's in position. Because if he's, if he's way out of position, then he's putting you both at risk. So then after that, you go back to the ground. Make sure that you're not going to crash. And then you go back to the enemy. Make sure that you're not going to get killed and try to maneuver to be killed. And then you go back to your wingman. And then ground and enemy and wingman. Ground, enemy, wingman. And you're just you're, the cross check should be very fast. On, on any given point, you might miss a little detail like okay, maybe this time your wingman is falling a little bit farther away from you than he should be, and then you go ground, and then you go enemy, and then wingman, oh, he's, yeah, I noticed that he's behind, so I'll either move my jet to get him back in position or tell him to get back in the position, but then I need to go back to the ground because if I'm spending too much time on that, I could, I could hit one of those mountains. So that's, it's a cross check, and that's, that's the system. There's a different cross check for different phases of flight. You know, when you're in the weather and you're flying instruments, it's gonna be a little bit different than when you're in the, in the clear but you're near the ground and you're fighting an enemy. But that's essentially kind of what it is. It's, it's always a cross check. And that applies to so many different things. I mean, next time you, you go out and drive, just, just consider your cross check. How many times are you checking your speed and then how many times are you checking your lane position and then how many times are you checking your rear view mirrors and then your speed and then your lane position, rear view mirrors. It's the same exact thing.
2: Yeah, except for we don't really do that. <laughs> I mean, in general, we should. Well, you probably you should, do it out of habit and don't realize it.
0: I, I yeah. bet you do it a lot more than you would realize. Yeah, at, le- at very least between the lane position and, well, maybe not so much the speed. And if you're in cruise control, then you've set up a system right. for that cross-check, and so you don't need to check it as much. Right, And that's right. the same thing with airplane. Like, once I set my autopilot for a certain altitude, now I don't have to check my altitude because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on that altitude. I'll check it every once in a while because it, it could fail on me and I, I could start drifting away, but... I don't have to check it as much and I can spend that piece of attention on something else right. that's maybe a slightly higher priority at that time.
2: Automate, um, automate, automate, automate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we got a lot of tools to do that these days.
2: So have you ever had a situation where you're like, I'm going to die? Have you ever thought that? Can you tell us?
0: Yes. actually classified. I have had one that comes to mind that I can talk about. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, but I do have one. So, I was coming back from a deployment, and whenever we deploy in the Air Force, we always, so my fighter squadron, we we took 18 jets to the Middle East. And when we take 18 jets, that literally means we, we flew the jets from, at the time I was stationed in Idaho, from Idaho all the way over to the Middle East. And then obviously, and we brought all of our maintainers and all of our maintenance equipment to support the jets, all of that, we brought all of it all the way across the world. So then after the deployment was done, we were coming back home. We were in England and we were gonna fly across the Atlantic Ocean to the East Coast where we were gonna stop for a night or two and then and then go on across the US back to Idaho. So we had 18 jets, we flew them in six ships uh so mine was the last six ship to leave england so we so basically it was six airplanes now you're probably asking yourself how can a fighter actually fly all the way across the ocean uh, yes the short answer is yes but we need refueling in order to do it because we definitely don't have enough fuel to get all the way across so how that'll work we will take off with a tanker and do air-to-air refueling on our way over and then at some point, that tanker will will have given us all of his gas, and he'll either turn around or continue going across the ocean, and we'll meet up with a second tanker. And then we'll use up all his gas, and we'll meet up with a third tanker. Um, can a so, tanker
2: fly as fast as a
0: fighter? Well, um, no. I can fly a lot faster, but it's a lot less efficient to fly fast. Okay. So the, even in the F-15, the most efficient speed is about the same as what an airliner or the in this case a refueler would be flying. Like. What speed is um, that? We refuel at 310 knots which across the and that's probably that's in the mid to high 20,000 so a little bit lower than your typical airliner. The airliners are usually 35 to 39,000 feet um, and so across the ground that's uh, probably about Four hundred and fifty miles an hour. Or That's so. crazy. Um, it's it's pretty much like when you're flying around in an airliner. It's it's more or less the same speed.
1: I have never uh, been on an airplane. You, were, you, were. Okay, when well, I was like six months old, but I don't uh,
0: remember that. Some someday you will. And it's oh man. I I mean obviously I just love flying. But anyway, so here we are. It's six six fighters on the tanker, and we enter the clouds, which is. Fine. We're used to flying in the clouds. It's a little bit more difficult to refuel inside a cloud, but it's not possible. Uh, but the problem is sometimes there is icing in the clouds, which basically means at certain temperatures and certain amount of moisture in the cloud, there's enough, enough moisture that it starts to ice onto the leading edges of the airplanes. So like on the front edge of the wings and then on the nose and across the windshield, and all that, and that's bad, because that disrupts the airflow over the wings, which is what keeps an airplane flying, right? Right. So, so we enter the cloud, and all of a sudden, it is the worst icing I've ever seen in my entire life. There was so much icing that one of the jets was trying to refuel, and there was so much ice that built up on his windscreen that he couldn't even see the tanker anymore. Wow. He had to drop down lower so that he could kind of look up out the top of his airplane to even see the tanker. And I first noticed it when I saw the Because I was on the wing, I call it on the wing, I was flying right next to the wing of the tanker, um, the tanker aircraft, and all of a sudden I saw a whole bunch of white ice on the leading edge of the tanker and I was like, oh my goodness, all seven of our jets are in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and we're icing up so quickly that we could all potentially stall and like crash in the middle of the ocean. Like if, in the arctic ocean and it you had to refuel
2: cold. right there was you were you were gonna run out
0: we did but the thing is i mean even without the fuel we we were icing up so quickly that eventually we weren't going to be able to keep flying because, right because the airflow was going to be disrupted so for that moment in time i was like oh my goodness this might be it all seven of us are going to go down uh thankfully the tanker we told the tanker hey we're icing up real bad Thankfully, the tanker got permission to climb, and we climbed only about, I think it was like 2,000 feet, and got out of the cloud, and then once you're out of the cloud, surprisingly enough, it gets colder, but since it's so cold, the ice gets, I guess it gets more crystallized or, or harder, so it, it can't hang on to the jets anymore, and so it starts breaking off, and um, and so we got out of the clouds and it it all broke off and then we were all fine and we just stayed up there and continued with our flight but
2: does it matter does it matter what the outside temperature is does it tend to ice more in the winter or does it matter
0: mm, that's that's a well, great no, question i know
1: what, I, no, I don't know this for sure but wouldn't you have more moisture in the summer cuz evaporation
2: i don't
0: yeah maybe i, I don't know I'd have to ask a meteorologist or some, some sort of weather nerd. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it has to be below freezing, obviously the, uh, and I think, I want to say it is it, there are certain temperatures. I think it's between, I think it's between like five degrees and 40 degrees Fahrenheit or negative five and 40 or eight and 40 or something like that. So it basically has to be around freezing temperature. Uh, cause then once you get colder than that, then it's fine. And then obviously if it's warmer than that, but it, you also have to be flying through the clouds. So once you get out of the clouds, you're going to be fine. You you can't ice up because all the moisture is in the cloud. Right. But yeah, so that was pretty scary.
2: So the thing about what you do is like, you know, the rest of us, we can make a little mistake and it doesn't really do much, but if you are up there and you make a little bad judgment call, you can get into a, a lot of trouble there.
0: <laughs> yeah. It turns out if if, uh, if you get in trouble you can't just pull over onto a cloud and right. pull out the map and figure out what's going on. Your cut is still going. So it does make the job unique. But I think that's what it adds a little bit of the challenge and um, so a little bit of the fulfillment as well, at least at least in my case. That's that's what I like and I enjoy the challenge. What habits have you formed to fighter pilot the transfer over to your normal life? So I think a lot of it, kinda of like I was saying, is just the Discipline and diligence of having a cross-check. I also think a big part of it is we do so every type of sortie, it doesn't every type of mission, sortie is another name for mission or flight, we go through this the same process. You get you 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 figure out the objective of the mission, or you're maybe given the objective for the mission. Then you spend some time mission planning where you figure out, all right, what's the target, or what goal do we want to accomplish. What are the threats that'll get in the way? How are we gonna? Like, what are the resources that we have to use? Uh, how are we gonna mitigate the threats? And what do we need to do in order to achieve the mission by either hitting the target or, or whatever the the objective is? So so we do mission planning, and then we brief the the flight or the formation, all the all the pilots who are flying. We brief them on what the mission is, and a lot of the, a lot of them have already planned it. So most of us already know what's going on. Um, but we brief it, and each briefing has a certain order to it as well, and then we go out and fly it, and then after we fly it, we come back and we do the debrief process that I kind of mentioned uh, before we started recording, where we take a look at what went right and what went wrong, and what can we learn from it, and how can we do, do better next time. And I think that construct I've taken into my personal life, and I more or less in varying degrees apply it to everything I do you know i mean one of the easiest examples is planning a road trip for a vacation or something like that we my my wife and i are taking our kids on a vacation later this summer so the objective is to go visit these people or go visit these places and then we have to do a little bit of mission planning you know what route are we going to take where are we going to stay how much is it going to cost what are we going to do for food all those types of things and then once we figure out the game plan uh, we kind of brief, but the brief is mostly just kind of talking about it but then we execute it and then when we get back, um, I at least do kind of a mental debrief of and a, even a continual debrief as we're going along but hey that this went really bad. I don't know <laughs> why we chose to go here, but we did so maybe next time we'll do a little bit more research and you know make sure that it's not something that we weren't expecting or you know whatever it was or maybe we should have gotten the car checked up before we left so that we wouldn't have to you know, get maintenance done while we were on a trip or, you know, any, anything like that. But doing that construct, I think, helps quite a bit. It, it just helps you think ahead a little bit. And the same can be applied to school or, uh, you know, your work, anything like that. It, the whole mission planning process, figuring out the, the objective and then doing a little bit of planning and, and figuring out, all right, how do we want this to go? And then how could it go wrong? And what are we going to do if it goes wrong in this specific way? it'll help you perform a lot better when it actually when it actually happens. And maybe it doesn't go wrong in the way that you're expecting, but you at least kind of have a starting point for how to mitigate whatever is going wrong.
2: Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of people just don't even have an objective. Like they're just yeah. kind of floating mm-hmm. around through life. Yeah. Even, right. you know, in, in, in high school, college, you kind of have a forced it's kind of forced upon you a little bit because you're trying to get the degree. So you yeah. kind of have to go... They're kind of... They're doing that, you know. They're it's giving a you bit a goal. It's a little bit of
0: built-in accountability right. to make sure that you you get there, yeah. But if
2: you don't have that, it's easy to just, like, float through your life. And right. if you if you don't self-impose it on yourself like what am I what's my goal here uh, I saw that one of your favorite books or one of the books that you were reading on your book list was the one thing which I love mm-hmm. um I talk about that book a lot um you know what is my one thing I need to be working on and if I do that everything else you know will be easier mm-hmm. um so for like you you know when you're going you want to be a fighter pilot so what's you know, everything was through the lens of that. So it yes. made it easier to yeah. make a decision. So should I go out to this party or should I study for this test? Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so you, you, you lead this mastermind. Um, how have you found that that has helped you as a person grow?
0: The, well, by leading it, I'm learning a lot because I'm learning a lot about myself and about, you know, leadership and um, creating a little bit of content and figuring out what what the guys need and how I can help them get what they need. And the goal of a mastermind is to, um, is to basically build each other up as leaders prepared to take on the challenges of the 21st century. So through, uh, through the mastermind, we, we do a lot of accountability, making sure that we're holding each other accountable to the goals that, or the habits and systems that we've said that we want to do and, and, and highlight as a priority. It's, it's a great construct. I love the mastermind construct because you get, you get perspectives, well, it's, it's essentially like your personal board of directors. So when I have an important decision coming up, instead of just making the decision myself or you know talking about it with my wife and then making the decision, I can present the decision with this group of guys who have a little bit of history and, and know kind of where I'm coming from or what resources I have or what I stand for. And then they can weigh in and at, at very least, ask me some very good questions that clarify whether or not I need to go one way or the other. Uh, and maybe like, hey, yeah, you're considering this, but it is so far outside of what your one thing is for this year that I don't think you should do it. And I think it would distract you from what you're doing. So it, it, it brings up a lot of things like like that. And uh, really the goal is to, to, to help, uh, so like, like I said earlier, I'm gonna be 32 this year. It's my generation that's taking leadership roles and over the next 10 years we'll be taking more leadership roles in business and the government and churches and I mean the military, you name it. And if we're not preparing ourselves by by training ourselves as leaders and holding each other accountable to being better every single day and to thinking about things like the attention gap and how that applies to ourselves and our organizations and reading and staying staying current on the greatest the best practices by that successful people have used in order to be successful then we're not going to be prepared to take on those leadership roles yeah so it's it's a great time i i really enjoyed it
2: yeah and you know i'm just thinking you know i've never heard of a high school mastermind but that would be an awesome thing to have let's and like you know well, they, let's study a together
0: yeah they do exist i i I've got two that I can think of right now, so we can. I can give you those resources afterwards.
2: Yeah, um, because you know, if you can get started on the right track before you even start, yes, um, you go so much farther.
0: Yes, and you go I farther
2: mean, together than you do alone. Right. Right, because right, they have wi- wisdom of multiple people. You know, a lot of kids. A right. lot of kids don't want to. They think adults. I don't know. They go through this period where they think adults don't know anything.
1: <laughs>
2: you're you're not like that though, are you, Hudson? I don't know, enough, am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, if you if you're humble enough to say, "Hey, you know, you're you're in the field I'm interested in. Can you can I just like wash your car or just hang out with you sometime and yeah. and just uh, you know, let me let me learn from you. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't be a burden, but like you know genuinely offer something in return you know Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um can i drive you around while you go to your different you know your site project you know or something like that um Mm -hmm. yeah you know you don't want you don't want them to be like oh here they come again they're going to ask me to you know tell them everything i know but if you like really you know that 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 would be like a version of a mastermind. And even these days, you know, with podcasts and books, man, you can learn so much stuff. You can have a mastermind and those people don't even know you're their mastermind. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we've gone on and I've enjoyed this conversation so much, but we need to wrap this up. Um, is there anything else you want to add?
0: No, I mean, uh, something that I usually try and leave with is just over the next, even couple hours, but a couple days, the next week, just observe where you're spending your attention because that can be an indication of places that you can improve and of what truly matters to you. So, and if it's not, if, if the attention that you're spending on a day-to-day basis is not in line with where you want to be, then Think about how you can improve that, and what you need to do to make sure that you're paying attention to the right places at the right time. Yeah, that's it's, good. Yeah, I mean, we've we've already covered a lot of it, mostly with the cell phones and watching TV or playing playing video games. But um, when you're when you're in it, you don't really see it. But then when you start to observe it, and you kind of look at it through a different lens, you might be able to get some interesting observations and find some yeah. places to. To improve. Yeah. If you really, if you really
2: are wanting to see how you're doing, do a time audit or put yeah. the tracker on your phone and see how much time you're spending on social media. And that'll, that'll be eye opening. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people find you?
0: Westwoodhouse.com is the best place to go. Awesome. Nice and simple.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it. Rachel and Hudson. Thanks for having me on. This is a great time.
2: Uh, we, we enjoyed learning all this cool fighter plane. i I knew nothing about all that stuff you told us about the planes
1: (laughs) i didn't either (laughs) um that's awesome
2: just a reminder if you like our podcast don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us have a great week